Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, welcome to episode two of the PhD podcast. My name is Mitch. You can find me on Twitter at PhD underscore Mitch. You can find Pittsburgh Hockey Digest at PGH Hockey Digest. That also is our Instagram account. Um, you can find you found our SoundCloud and our iTunes for this if you've been listening to it. So um, you also find us on Facebook at PGH Hockey Digest too. Um, I'm joined here at the Island Sports Center after the. Robert Morris women's team dropped their exhibition to Concordia with Matt Mamros, our Headwaters writer. How are you doing, Matt? Mitch, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for bringing me back for my, my second season appearance here on the, uh, the Hockey Digest. So. I'm so glad happy to have you back this season on the PhD podcast. Oh, Absolutely. Both, I guess you can find our podcast on Twitter, too, at PhD underscore podcast. That is something that we've done this year. We're trying to really use that for our pool, our polls and everything so whenever I give you our poll results I'll tell you what our next poll is and we'll talk about it a little bit later uh, he's going to be here for the first part he's going to talk a little bit of headwaters and we're going to talk about the RMU women's game that we just saw so let's just jump right into it Matt RMU women's game here first game of course the drop to Concordia but they had a nice little comeback there um, what were your first takeaways from that game Absolutely, Mitch. I mean, Concordia definitely wasn't one of those laughable teams that they brought mm -hmm. in here. They definitely ramped the competition up yeah, for the, the exhibition head game. Head coach Julie Chu. You can't, yeah, you that's can't, a legend when it comes to women's is, hockey. That is a women's hockey legend. Uh, I, was, I was told she lives in Quebec now with her, her wife, and it seems like that that team played with every bit of intensity as those teams mm -hmm. that she was on when she was with the national team here in the, in the United States. And what a, what a just a, a tough old almost old-fashioned hockey game lots of uh in front net play and lots of lots of uh speed for robert morris this year so that's going to be something to watch as the season develops i like how that team looked out there they were fast and they were actually able to use their, their hands were as fast i mean you, you, it was looked like a regular exhibition game out there you saw a lot of you know force passes you know a lot of players in their first game with the team of course absolutely uh, and there's there's plenty of those first year players that stood out to me yeah, to well. me personally so it's going to be exciting to see how just this team grows. You know, you have this this base marker here. They're at least going to look as good as this, you know, every game from here on out. And I expect them to grow by leaps and bounds as we continue to go here through the season. And, of course, it's it's a changing of the styles for the, for Robert Morris. Uh, a lot more offensive-minded. Last couple of years, you can probably say they were a little more defensive Absolutely. in aspect. But this year, they're actually they're, the, the players they've brought in have brought in a different aspect of their games. And it's going to be interesting to see how the uh, – season here at the island works out uh we were talking about a couple of those players uh first and foremost uh mara wagner had a really nice wraparound goal really didn't know how it went in uh jokingly they put it they gave it to lexi templeman who was on the bench but um she showed me some pretty good uh skill out there uh absolutely you're talking about a player that at naha i believe put up over 100 points in just two seasons there and more than half of her points were goals so mm -hmm. you're looking at somebody that knows how to score and it's going to be amazing where she fits into this lineup and if uh she's going to be relied on to be that that corner or that circle shooter that we've seen paul use mm -hmm. multiple times throughout the his past couple schemes where he has somebody shoot from either the top or the bottom of the circle so that's that's where I see her fitting in here. Another player that really stuck out to me wasn't wasn't one of the first years, but a transfer uh, sophomore from Clarkson had I believe an injury last her two years ago, and she was a, she did a transfer, so she sat out last year. But this is her first game in almost two years. Uh, was uh, Michaela Boyle had a goal today? 
Absolutely. And one disallowed. And, and one disallowed, and she looks like a tough cookie in front of the net. Definitely a tough one to crack there, and I think that we're going to see her in front of the net, and it looks like she can do multiple things as well. We saw her on the penalty kill a little bit today mm -hmm. as well. So that's going to be awesome to have her, and she brings something that, you know, very few of the girls remember how to win a CHA championship that are they're on this team. Most of those girls are gone, but she knows what it takes to win one at Clarkson. I think that experience is absolutely invaluable to, to any team that has somebody that's won a national championship on it and knows how to win. It's like bringing in a Super Bowl winner to, mm -hmm. a, to a team that doesn't know, have any playoff experience. It's something invaluable. Yeah, because you're looking at only a handful of players are left up from that run a couple years ago to the championship, and uh, uh, it's going to be uh, – Need that little bit there of run because only, like I said, a handful of players going to the NCAA tournament. Now you bring in somebody who actually won the championship at that level. Yes. So it's going to be a nice little detail to have in that locker room of, you know, this is how, you know, the experience was as we went down the road. And um, it, it, it's nice to have that type of experience. And as we move along, we look at the, uh, you know, a couple things that I took away from it. Um, we had a little bit of an issue. Uh, Ways and Rice got. Uh, of course, we don't know exactly what is going on with that. She was a scratch here today, right. and she, uh, you know, so they moved Emily Hartley back to the de to defense, and she was. But that's a good thing for Robert Morris to have. It's a good problem to have. Is that they, she's a defensive style center, and they had a surplus of centers coming in, which is one of those things you don't look at. A couple of years ago, you were, of course, the first season that I covered this team. They moved Cat Murphy back to defense from center. She was their opening night center, first line, and. Uh, she moved back to the defense, and, of course, that worked out for them in the long run with oh, her. Oh, absolutely. One of the more, more solid defensemen they've ever had in this on this team. The, so. the diamond duo of her yeah. and Kirsten Welsh, who we'll, we'll talk we'll, about Yeah, we'll later. talk about that later. later. You yes. had, uh, you, you're excited about uh, something you get to say that I'm allowing you to say that because it we're not under the FCC laws. Everybody gets one. That's everybody gets one. Say. He gets yeah. a shot here, so he's going to take it. Um, but, you know, you're talking about, you know, uh, movement there that's a nice, a good problem to have is as deep as their centers are this season. You know, you're moving players around, and you're going to have, like we were discussing that during the game, was their actual movement, how many players they were able to move into different positions. and It, was, to, yeah. it was plug and play today, baby. They and had everybody. It was a smooth machine once they actually got going in the second half of that game. I think so, so too. And, in fact, you could probably count on your fingers the amount of players that didn't move from where they actually started the game. Mm -hmm. like, I, I see five here that, that didn't move from, mm -hmm. from where they started the game at. But He paired up his players well today, and he just said, let's try something different eat every once in a while. And it, it seemed to work out, especially when that comeback later in the game so absolutely they that's something we're not unfamiliar with seeing because over over the years you've seen Paul Colantino coach teams come back they know how to do it and uh, I think that's something that's going to come be absolutely invaluable as mm -hmm. we progress in the season of course I'll, I'll play a little bit from Paul's uh the, the little bit of press conference we had with Paul a little bit afterwards uh I'll play a little bit of that a little bit later but uh we had a little bit of timing constraints with Matt here he's a was a wanted man his friends are in town so yeah, we're going to yeah. we're going to try to get him out you know back out the door so we're going to move on right now you were somewhere fun last night. Where were you at, Matt? I was in Erie, Pennsylvania for the home opener of the Erie Otters, which we got three players from Pittsburgh area, grew up playing Berg hockey, and they're all on the Otters this year. Um, Austin Swankler, of course. Norwin's own Austin Swankler. Uh, I saw him last year whenever he played against Youngstown. Um, and then, of course, you were, you were referring to Aiden Campbell. He was a Seneca Valley. He was only a sophomore last year with Seneca Valley. He's playing yes. in the OHL this year. It's a, and he's 16 years old, exemptional ten, yeah, player status. Penguins elite player. 
Uh, played U16 last year, too. And, of course, the final one. Alex Gritz, our, our buddy, Township. Friend, friend of the podcast, of course. And uh, it was awesome to go see those guys. And we uh, we were BSing after the game a little bit. And uh, they were all talking about how fond they, they remember this building we're sitting in right now. Mm -hmm. And, and of course, uh, Aiden Campbell uh, brought up Magic Mike, uh, unfortunately, who, who passed. Yeah, we uh, lost Magic Mike last, last season. season. And I, everybody there, they all knew who he was. And they... Uh, we kind of reminisced about our, our favorite Magic Mike moments. So he mm -hmm. was he was definitely a, in just an awesome part of the island when you came here. You, you didn't get the island experience if you didn't talk to Magic Mike. Yeah, that was a big day here last year. Uh, that was a, definitely a shockwave to all of Robert Morris. If you ever had to you know play at the island or you came visited even, you, you probably ran into Magic Mike. And you know that's somebody that this place is. You know, it's just the culture of the island is to know, you know, it's Magic Mike, and you know it's a big loss for the community here. Uh, absolutely, and uh, I believe they're bringing a bell or something. He's getting a bell dedicated to him out in the the um, mm -hmm. the main hall out here. So that'll be pretty cool whenever they do that. But uh, definitely missed among the community. So what do we got on the way? And of course, Matt is our headwaters guy. You're going to hear him almost every week. I don't know if it's going to be every week, but we're going to try to get him in here every week. And he's going to be our headwaters guy. So Matt, what do you got for us uh, that you noticed from the beginning of the year? Maybe some you know a couple guys no longer playing, a couple guys moving yeah. on and we're trying yeah. things out so yeah i definitely lost my bread and butter of my coverage last year as you as you know i, I talked about cody wido the, the robert morris mm -hmm. legend himself and, and zach lynch about pretty much every week they were mm -hmm. always up to something but we got a lot of guys moving around in the echl this year in fact if you uh if you're looking to meet up with some robert morris alum you might as well go see brampton when they come oh, to, yeah, they when they up. come to wheeling because i think they got pretty much everybody i mean they don't have doro and they don't have Rob Powers, who just signed a one-year contract with the Atlanta Gladiators on Friday. So that's oh. where that's where you'll see him Bob. this year. Yes, and Bob uh, going to Atlanta. Yeah, Dora is in Wichita, and then Brampton has uh, Levens, Jacklin, and um, one other defenseman. Who I'm totally blanking on. Was his it Man? Did Man sign? Yeah, Man signed there uh, as well. Rob yes, Man signed there. Um, oh, where did Bonjay go? Because he's in the ECHL as well, but I can't remember where he who he signed with. But he's. He's in the league this year, as far as I remember. I, that's something I'll have to – we'll look it up. We'll, we'll revisit that later. But, no, in, in, in Erie, the, the atmosphere was awesome, and I highly recommend anybody that hasn't been up there ever to go check it out this year mm -hmm. because um, when they announced the opening night roster and everything, uh, when they announced Austin and, and Aiden the, and even Alex, the, the place went absolutely nuts. The, the fan club of uh, Aiden Campbell was there, and he didn't even start last night. It was uh, Daniel Murphy and Nett, the returning incumbent starter, um, who's played every year since he was 16 in, in Erie. I'm uh, looking this up. Elite Prospect says Bonch retired. He retired. He retired in April. That's what it's saying. Uh, 4-11, 2019, he went from Cholet to retiring. To retiring. Yeah. Wow. So Bonch officially. Bon or you up know the what? Skates. I bet you. I bet you. I'm thinking of uh, Eric Israel. Look up. Look up and see where he's. Let's see at. where he's at this year. Yeah, yeah. So we're doing uh, Headwaters on the Fly. You headwaters know, on the so Fly. So many yeah. players here that you got to follow, and uh, definitely something that's you know a lot of players now, and as we continue to move along with it. Um, but yeah, you were talking about, uh, of course, Erie right now, and they just brought a lot of players, and I'll be there in a couple years. So, I mean, in a couple months. I would, <laughs> a I would couple hope years. I hope in a couple years. Yeah, I would hope years you we'll see some players here. There's a there's a good chance that this is definitely Fort Wayne. Fort, Fort Wayne, Wayne Comets, the unaffiliated team. Okay, yeah. Um, Eric Levine was there last year, mm -hmm. and Eric Levine and Brady Ferguson. Um, they're they're summer with the cup. How mm -hmm. cool is that? Yeah, I mean, that was a really cool detail. I I think Newfoundland comes to Wheeling this year. 
I can't confirm that I'll right now. Look at that schedule. But I th I think they come there this year. Or no, that Wheeling goes there. Wheeling goes there. That's mm -hmm. what it was. Because I, I talked to my buddy Lou with that about that one. Uh, we we talk hockey all the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, we finally got the uh, the sibling trio here at Robert Morris that we talked about last yeah, year several times. All of the A Bears, they're all here. The A Bears have arrived at Robert Morris. Of course, you got Grant and Cam playing for the men's side, and Allison yep. we saw today playing for the women's side. So and she looked strong with when she was with Curly yeah. today. So we'll she's on that top pairing with Emily Curlett this and year. So I mean, there's some pressure associated with that because mm -hmm. you're on the top pair, but it she absolutely looked the part. And and the men, the men's side, seeing uh, Roman Kramer joining them also along from with from Johnstown. Yeah, yep, yep, it's joining them. So that's of course the Sarah Catholic slash Penguins Elite slash Johnstown Tomahawk slash part time. Youngstown Phantom, so he hasn't yep. really moved far from home. No, but he's, he's back. Never now he's been here. Far. For, he starts his first four years at Robert Morris here, and he's excited to be here. He's he's told me that personally, and I mean he can't wait to get on the ice and see what happens this year. And we of course brought in a transfer this year, Justin Kappel Master. So we got a, we got a three three headed goalie monster they might roll with this year, and I think that'll be pretty impressive. You know, it's. We're going to be talking about the men's team a little bit more in the next couple of weeks because we really haven't seen them. And yeah. they don't have an exhibition coming up, so it's going to, we're they really not going to be able to see anything. Their, their exhibition is actually going to be in January, in January the same weekend <laughs> as the women's tournament. So yeah, I don't, <laughs> we're I, discussing uh, that. It's going to be one of those things where I'm like, I go, somebody's got to make a decision where they're going to go because they're playing an exhibition in Johnstown. At in, the War in Memorial. The Cambria War, and it's the first ever Division One college hockey game in the Cambria County War Memorial. And uh, anybody that goes out there, I highly recommend you take a look at the uh, the Slapshot oh, Museum. I always they have talk about there. that every time. It's you know? so cool. I mean, it really you, is. You don't really, you know, it's one of those things that never gets old when you're, especially when you watch hockey, you love hockey. You That movie never has gotten to the point where it's t you get tired of it. And I mean, meeting a lot of the cast that one year that I have, and if you want to look it up, I did a, um, I, I fell into a day where they were doing their reunion for the 40th anniversary and there was an alumni game and all that other fun stuff. How was that, that at Cambria it. County? And then they did a little thing at the Aces afterwards. Okay. And we all went to the Aces and we had a good, you know, as a, and I was invited over there during the day. Like it was very welcoming to everybody there. And I did a little article on that. So if you want to look that up on the, uh, up on berghockey.com, it's uh, it's worth a read, worth the video. A lot of the players, you know, you get to hear the old taglines from the players themselves. Killer Carlson and you know Dave's a killer. You get all that stuff. Of course, you know Hanson. Dave Hanson runs the brink here at the island, so he, he you got to meet him. But it, it was definitely an out of the world experience, and definitely one that I was uh, I very loved to see. Uh, so uh, you got anything else for us, Maddie? You wanna you wanna jump back to the women's team real quick here and sure, do a little little, little preseason previews here. So obviously last year you got your leading goal scorer returning in in mm -hmm. J C Gebhardt, and I think that. Without a doubt, she'll definitely lead the team in goals again this year. We and talked, yeah, I talked to her in the post game. She was excited about just building on what she had last year, and also creating the environment for these new players to come into and just thrive in. So it was really absolutely. Cool. You, yeah. you go from three captains last year to one this year, and she's got the the strongest voice in the room this mm -hmm. this time around. And so this will be interesting to see what the transition's like because you do you did lose. I think it was what eight people last year you graduated seven last year graduated yeah. seven okay i was i was close i might be thinking of the year before that but actually i think it was six because I, I, I always counted as seven because i always remember tory tory <laughs> yeah tory harshman hey, into the that, division three national champion yeah, most, of them, most of them were here tonight so we're here today for this yeah exhibition, abs so absolutely it was good to see you catch up with them so oh absolutely no Mur murph was here we were talking about her and she she yeah. was here and stuff and yeah murph was here ricky mayer was here from a captain from two seasons ago and 
you know, a lot of the players were here. Uh, Maggie Legue was here. Talked to uh, Sads. Caitlin Sadaway was here for the Yeah, so, and you're going to get to see uh, Maggie actually take the ice again in the uh, the women's tour that they're doing with the, the Women's the, Player yeah, the, Association. Uh, and the uh, PW Hockey. Uh, I, I couldn't tell you what the abbreviation PWHA is. PWHA or something. Brit uh, the reason Brittany Howard wasn't here today, she's playing in that today, too. She's and with, uh, that's uh, just amazing what they're doing up there for that. Uh, Will, she spoke of that during her interview last week. Yeah, I know, think it's the awesome. Part of the interview last week is that, they, you know, that they're taking it on the – taking on a run and seeing what they can do with it. I mean, you know, it doesn't always have to be a game that is involved in that. And, you know, bring it on, let, get the exposure that way, and, you know, maybe outside of the constraints of a league itself and see how it works. You know, you, they're doing it on their terms. And, and uh, they, they got legitimate coaches. The whole thing's that. got the perfect structure. I, I think you're looking at something that's going to be really cool and for anybody who gets to see it. I'm not like I won't condone going in and endorsing anything because I, I try to stay as straight edge as, as possible. Absolutely. Because I don't, I don't feel like my personal opinion is that of everybody's, and I don't want to shove it down anybody's throat. But I will tell you, if you get a chance and it comes around, check it out because these women are – ridiculous players. I'm, of course, I'm an advocate for women's hockey, so um, it's one of those things that you like to see. Um, Matt, once again, I want to thank you for coming on. I think I might have cut you off a little bit here, but I want hey, to get no, you on that, the road. That's, that's cool. We could talk preseason awards, you know. Oh, we'll, well, no, 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 no. I forgot about preseason awards. We, Let, we let's do this. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, we can't, I, we can't skip going. that one because, uh, you know, we got we start here in what? Two next week. Next, next week. week. Next, next Friday week we the start first here, game. so we, we can't. Unless we do a pregame show, a pregame nah, no pre pre special. Let, let's yeah. get this done today. So. Absolutely. Okay, so, what were your categories? So I was, I was thinking uh, definitely the leading goal scorer will be JC. I think I you think and JC I has are, that. are agree on agreement on that yeah. one. Le Lexi probably has assists wrapped up again this year. I think year Lexi will be up there in points and assists. And uh, I mean. Probably face-off percentage as well. She was mm -hmm. number two in the country last year. I think she did have pretty high. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she was winning in almost any higher clip. That's yeah. that's incredible. Mm -hmm. um, who, who are your freshmen to look at coming in here? I really, after watching that, I, the one that I'm looking at is Anna Fairman. Her skating ability, she was a little bit loose today. It was like, it was you know, she's getting used to this, the uh, systems. And, you know, those first years really take a little bit to break into. You saw it last year with a lot of them played well in this game. And then it was a little bit, very slow to start. You didn't get any out goal outputs until the second half no. for them. And But this year, it's definitely not the case. And that's one other thing I spoke with uh, with uh, Paul Colantino afterwards. And it was just like how they looked so comfortable as we continued to move along in this season. So oh, absolutely. in this game, and they just there was no hesitation with them. They knew their. So I was looking at her as one of them. Her skating is just there. She made a couple mistakes early. She was able to build off of them. But she looked confident. She out looked there. confident. She, she she owned the ice when she was on it. Hey so. bear was one of those very very confident as well you got that pedigree with her and her brothers and absolutely there's a lot of compete there with her it reminds me of the compete that Brittany howard always referred to with her twin brother uh, uh, and she grew up having to always compete with him and then you also another one that really uh looked stood out was maggie burbage i thought absolutely. she really uh was in position for the most part the entire game had a couple opportunities wasn't able to put it home each time but she definitely had a great Look and opportunity on that uh, in that exhibition game. So that's one I would look at. Mara Wagner. Mar Mara Wagner is definitely my my breakout freshman mm -hmm. of the year. Her and and Joelle. Fall, um, mm -hmm. I think that Joelle is a power center that Robert mm -hmm. Morris hasn't had since Courtney Vint and or not Courtney Vint, Rebecca Vint, Rebecca who, Vint. who went uh, professional and everything. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, if she ends up even remotely close to that, which I think there's a possibility she could be even better, but that mm-hmm. that's my breakout. Uh, the goaltenders then. seemed like they played even. Like it was just like it was seemed like it was even keel for the goaltenders. I couldn't Absolutely. really pick a horse out of the thing, and I think Paul is in the same note. He also mentioned that oh, we're gonna wait till around Thursday for the. Uh, you know, make our decision. So there's really no pick for the goaltender. It's going to be another three-headed. I think we're talking about three-headed monster here going yep. down the run. Um, if there is a, if there is a favorite, it's not going to be known to anybody. That's how Paul yeah. functions. Oh, no, I abso- love that absolutely. about Paul because he it's keeps me thinking every time I think something's going to happen. He always changes. It's it's, it's, it's like Mike thing. Sullivan also in a way, yeah. kind of himself. Right. But I, I think. Courtney Coleman's definitely going to be your probably your most improved player of the year from, See, from last where year. We discussed that. We were talking with this in, in the uh, first period. I was yes. discussing this with you and uh, Sadaway. And we were like, who's going to be your, your breakout star of the year? Of course, last year I said Angelica Diffendall, and Diff definitely had a really good season last year. Absolutely. Definitely proved that. So, and I'm going a little bit different with this this year. I'm going back on the defensive side and Jillian Thompson. I, I really think that she's going to have the year – the best year out of her, uh, you know, out of the defensive core. Then when it comes to improvement on year from year one to year two. Yeah, so, and she played um, with uh, Anna Fairman today, and they mm-hmm. both look strong out there t- together. So that's that's <laughs> something positive. Anytime you can have a freshman gel with one of mm-hmm. your upperclassmen, that they they might be that mm-hmm. that might be the pair this year. So with, we'll see what happens with Rice out well we don't know how long what the deal is if she's even out for well, she was just a scratch tonight if it i don't was think a it's precautionary an precautionary or anything we have no idea we have no what? clue wasn't no update after the game but Mm-mm. um and you're not going to get only returning three defend, defenders from last year and that's Curlette, LeCavalier, and Thompson uh Harley was moved back from center that of course that deep center so the deep center run so yeah so we were actually uh well, thank you for coming on and absolutely. actually I'm going to pre I'm going to preface I'm going to let you preface the interview here the second part of the uh, of my interview so who what so, do you want to say about so what we were you know we were discussing before we were, the podcast so I don't know if anybody's seen the article floating around on the internet of the the picture of probably one of the most intimidating refs you've seen definitely uh my good friend Kirsten Welsh the just an absolute major badass and something that your kids could look up to for sure. Definitely a, a strong, positive role model for anybody out there. Mm-hmm. And we were, uh, you know, we, we played part one of our interview last week. This week she gets to have a little bit of fun and emasculate me a little bit in this one. So uh, thanks she's, again. She's good that. at that. We're gonna she's she's she good is, at that. We're going to come. We're going to play the interview, for the second half of the interview for you. Then we're going to come back and we're going to talk a little bit about the PIHL. This is the PhD podcast. Thank you, Matt Mamros, for coming in. Here is my the second part of my interview with Kirsten Welsh. Okay, so my question at this point is, you go into this camp and you're deciding what. At what point did you have to either decide, or was it decided upon you that it was a linesman over a referee? Uh, you know, I was looking at that. I was thinking like. Uh, and I'm sorry, a lines person? Uh, lines, no, linesman. <laughs> no, linesman, okay. hell yeah, it's yeah, a linesman. Okay. Don't, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't go gender soft on me, come on. Oh, I know that already. I already we, we've had several conversations. I've seen all over Twitter about the Welshie stare and how people should, yeah. you know, are, are concerned about that. Uh, no, but uh, no, I, I'm just wondering, you know, the decision being made of lines, you know, linesman versus referee, was that something that you had an input on or was that something that they kind of said no. you'd look better in that in that scenario? or? So, um, so yeah, so... Right now, like, um, because I'm so fresh to this and so new, um, there's like a lot of things that, like, I, like there, I'm not, I'm not in a certain position. Really. Like, I'm not a linesman or a ref. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, I think they put me as a linesman the first two games to kind of get me 
used to the speed of the game and the intensity and that this like this is like a pro level that mm-hmm. they kind of wanted to see me perform because being a ref in that position like having if having the first game as a ref like you have a lot of decisions to make you have a lot of things to think about you have a lot of um it's just like it's just like the the flow of the game is basically determined on like determined on your um assessment abilities mm-hmm. so um to kind of to kind of ease me into it i think they put me as line as a line linesman just to kind of um get me used to the pace and it was also it was also kind of fun like jumping into scrums and like um and like i don't know calling offsides and calling li- and calling icings like still as a linesman like there's so much to think about that you would never ever consider as a player like you just it's just a completely different world um but I, I personally like refing better. My third game as a ref, um, I enjoyed thoroughly. I, I, I think I'm just. I think people are just like naturally one or the other. Like they just like it better. It's kind of like, it's kind of like white or vanilla or chocolate cake. Like it doesn't really, doesn't really matter. But it's like whatever you you find feel more comfortable with. And I think because of my my defensive background as a mm-hmm. as a D man, like and I like to have everything in front of me. I like to kind of follow the play up and down the ice, like just like kind of float around like you you knew you knew me as a player like i would just i like to kind of quarterback everything yeah just you, like you, have, were, like, you were the general yeah, out there on the ice whenever it was yeah out. you just yeah, yeah you just like to, I, I don't know maybe it's a control freak thing i, I like <laughs> to control the game and um so yeah as a referee you have a lot more uh, responsibility but you also have a lot more freedom to kind of talk to the players you have you have the respect of the players but and the respect of the coaches and you call the shots and it ultimately is dependent on your decision so um obviously i have a lot to learn and a lot um a lot of like experience to gain in this position uh for like for the future um because there are like little little things about the game about the nhl the ahl that i still have to learn um mm-hmm. But for the, for the most part, I think, uh, yeah, refing is definitely what I what I personally prefer as of right now. It could change in a year. I don't know. But if they were to offer me anything, like I'm not, I'm not gonna say no. <laughs> At this point, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, you gotta get once you get your foot in the door, Sarah, and that that'll lead me into my final question here. Um, yeah. Of course, this. Where does this? You know, where's this going to lead to? What are you looking? Uh, you know, where are you going next with this uh, officiating? Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, they, uh, they basically just told me to like get certified, like get all my, all my like requirements, my certifications, my, my mom, like you, I just have to do it like anyone else would if they're coming up in the roughing industry. Like I, I just, there's a lot of like tests I need to pass and like safety things that I need to go through that mm-hmm. really will give me like the basics of roughing. Um, the, the stuff that should, that should come natural to most people, but, um, it's just nice to have that refresher. Um, so yeah, so as of right now, like I'm going to, I'm getting registered and certified. I'm going up to my first, uh, refing seminar one, um, October 26th. And then I'm going to try and get into some USHL games and try and get into like some higher level men's games, um, to practice this year. I don't know. I don't know what, um, I don't know how far, how, how uh, high I can go with that, but, um, that's, that's kind of what I'm determining right now. Just getting in contact with the right people and kind of figuring out where, um, where I can get this experience for the combine next year. I, I hope my, like the, the, the plan is, I hope is to go back to the exposure combine again next year and then, uh, kind of show them that I've been really working on it and taking this seriously. Well, so. if there's one thing that I've learned about you over the last four years, four and a half, almost five years now, <laughs> is that, you know, the determination and, and key to want, just want to be involved is there. So, I mean, like I said, the sky's the limit. So Thanks. good luck on all that. Now, you know, I'll yeah. see you around. I hope uh, yeah. it all works out. Was- so once again, <laughs> thanks again for coming on with us here 
on no the worries. PhD thanks, podcast. Thanks for having me, man. No problem. It. No problem. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. <laughs> All right. That was Kirsten Welsh, of course, of the Robert Morris Colonials last season, now a future NHL official. Um, good news coming from that camp. She, of course, got married this past weekend. Uh, so congratulations to her and Parks for the nuptials this past weekend. And once again, thanks to Matt Mamros for coming on with me and opening up the show with us this week. Um, we're going to move right along. Let's talk a little bit about the majors, you know, the uh, midget majors that we've got going on. Of course, I'll open up with the Pittsburgh Vengeance this past weekend. Um, had a home-and-home home with the Lake Erie Bighorns. The Vengeance dropped both games to those Bighorns, 3-2 on Friday up at the Mercyhurst Ice Center, and then 2-1 two and one, uh, two to one on Saturday against those Lake Erie Bighorns. Um, of course, that's a big matchup for them coming up. Uh, let me see what I got on the Pittsburgh Penguins Elite. They were idle this past weekend. They, of course, will face off this weekend at the UPMC Muse Sports Complex on Saturday at 5 o'clock p.m. against the Anaheim Junior Ducks. And then on Sunday, they head to the island for a two-game set. I believe there's actually an uh, event going on this next couple days. I'd look that up. Uh, the Anaheim Junior Ducks will play up at 66 on Saturday at 5 p.m. Then on Sunday, there's a 1 p.m. and a 7.30 p.m. game. They have a Chicago mission at 1 p.m. at the island. And the Dallas Stars Elite at 7 p.m. on Sunday at the island. So big weekend there. Um, then Monday, 2 p.m., the Boston Advantage will be at the UPMC Lemieux Sports Complex. Four games this weekend for the Pittsburgh Penguins Elite. You're going to have to bear with me while I try to get up all the scores from the the NAHL Showcase at the Super Rink in Blaine, Michigan, Blaine, Minnesota, as the S-Mark Stars competed this past weekend. It was a big weekend for them. I'll I'll just try to go through with it. Uh, the Chicago Young Americans faced the, the 16s. I believe that was three days ago. That was on Friday. And, sorry, is it Thursday or Friday? And that was a 4-3 victory for the S-Mark Stars. 16s, the 15s tied their, their game against the Major. And then it will be a 15s would once again on the second day. Uh, they would win in overtime 3-2. And then 18s went along and were able then lost in overtime 5-4 to Michigan. Team Michigan. Day two would come along and the S Mark Stars 15s. Looks like they were able to down two nothing against Michigan after two periods. I don't have any updates of how that game ended. Oh, you know they lost four nothing to the to team against Team Michigan, and then the Tri-State Spartans faced the Sixteens, and they were able to win four two over that the Tri-State Spartans. Um, Seven a.m. The Fifteens were against Teams Alaska, and they beat Team Alaska in overtime two one. The 18s won in a shootout over Compuware, and the 15s won 3-2 against the, against the who, let's see who this was, the Minnesota, no, sorry, the, I don't have an opponent for that one, but they, uh, they ended up winning 3-2 in that game. Uh, 16s then went ahead and rolled 
right over whoever they faced in that matchup in Blaine. It was, of course, 11-0 final in that one. And a bunch of scores that I don't have an answer for or anything, but it looks like the 16s had a pretty tough showing out in Blaine, Minnesota, in the NHL Showcase. Um, so we got a bunch of teams starting this week, and we'll try to keep you updated with all that moving along in the midget majors. Um, we're going to move right along, and we're going to discuss, and actually, speaking of the midget majors, the Pittsburgh Vengeance uh, associate head coach is uh, Brian Bame, of course, head coach of the West A Indians, and he will be our coach's corner guest whenever we uh, close the show here today. Please listen to that one. He's a big-time guest. I'm trying to line up another one for next week. It looks like it's going to be Robert Morris, women's head coach Paul Colantino in his ninth season, uh, formerly of Nursey Hurst. Of course, he has all the uh, accreditations that we would look for, uh, the CHA championship a couple seasons ago, a bunch of straight, uh, four straight, three straight finals in the uh, tournament, and then one NCAA tournament on his record. We're going to try to have him up next week. Uh, we're going to move to Ed Major now. He's going to have your ACHA update for the upcoming season of ACHA action from September 20th and 21st. Uh, of course, Ed Major covers all of our collegiate hockey. Uh, that is not that is not Division One, so your ACHA divisions one, two, and three are coming up with Ed Major. Welcome to the first weekly edition of the audio version of Major Focus, where I will attempt to recap the local ACHA and CHMA action from the past weekend. We'll start with the West Virginia Mountaineers, who hosted a weekend series on Friday and Saturday against the Towson Tigers. They dropped both games to Towson last season, but this season, this weekend was a different story. They defeated the Towson Tigers 3-1 on Friday night and 5-1 on Saturday. Local Thomas Jefferson alum and rookie forward Hayden Hinnemeyer had an assist on that game-winning goal on Saturday and moves to th two goals and an assist in three games played this year. The West Virginia Mountaineers moved to a record of 3-1. The number 8 Liberty Flames hosted the Duquesne Dukes for the first time in 10 years and came away with the convincing 11-1 victory. Wade Conlon was the goaltender for the Dukes in that game. Robert Morris and Mercyhurst started conference play at the Mercyhurst Ice Center, and the defending cha conference champion Colonials came away with, came away with a hard-fought 6-4 win over their I-79 rivals. In other ACHA news, the Pitt Panthers Division II ACHA team hosted the Penn State Nittany Lions, Penn State came away with the 7-1 victory on Friday night and the 12-2 victory on Saturday. An interesting note with the Penn State team was that halfway through the game on Friday, they made a goaltender switch to rookie goaltender Richard Carapandi. And if that name sounds familiar to you, it may be because he is the defending AAA Penguins Cup champion with the North Allegheny Tigers last season. In terms of future ACHA games, we don't have any home matchups this coming weekend, the 26th and 27th. The IUP Hawks will be traveling to face the Liberty Flames. Robert Morris will travel to Alabama. Pitt will head up to Kent State for a weekend series. And Slippery Rock will head up to play Oswego for the weekend. ACHA teams are back home in the local Pittsburgh arenas on October 4th 
where IUP will host the Duquesne Dukes, and the Robert Morris Colonials will host the West Virginia Mountaineers, as well as the Slipper Rock Pride will host Westchester. Thank Ed Major for his debut on the podcast when it comes to the ACHA updates. We're going to try to get you those weekly so we keep your interest peaked whenever it comes to all types of Berg hockey. And I thank him again for coming on and giving us all we needed for that. Um, moving along, we're going to talk a little PIHL. I was able to get out to Kirk Nevin Arena a couple times this past week to get some Greensburg-Salem tournament action in um, last Thursday. We were able to get out to the, the Nevin down there in Lynchfield in Greensburg, and we would be able to catch two games last week. And let me see. Sorry, it's a lot of hockey for me to try to remember. On Saturday and Thursday, we had Plum in South Park. I was going to meet this one in progress. And then Penn Trafford and West A. Uh, let's see what we had there. Of course, Plum Plum and South Park finished in a 2-2 tie in the first game of that that series. A single A South Park uh, team, the Eagles, looked pretty solid in that one. And then Plum looked like a team that was starting to rebound from a down year. Of course, they had that big the Penguins Cup. Then they went up to Triple A, uh, lost a lot of their players before they moved to Triple A, and then were able to come back down to Double A after that season. So it was nice to see Plum starting to get a little bit of competitive edge back after a couple seasons off. South Park, of course, uh, they're looking like they're going to be a they're going to be a contender this year in the single A. It's going to be wide open more often than not this season. I know a lot of teams are licking their lips down in that league, hoping to get a chance to compete. We're going to find out probably within the first two or three months who's the contender and who's the pretenders in that league. Uh, we're talking about a uh, possibility of having some previews and a, a little bit of a roundtable decision of who we project as our winners for each division coming up. So we'll let you see that in a little bit. The second game for that one was, of course, West Allegheny and Penn Trafford. Um, that was a good game. West Allegheny, uh, Penn Trafford, I'll give you this much, they have a new set of threads. I thought their jerseys were pretty slick. Um, and, uh, you know, double-A both teams this year, so we're going to see them again facing each other later on in the season. Uh, West Allegheny ended up winning this one 6-1. to one. Uh, Brian Bames' team's looking absolutely magnificent this year. They're going to be probably one of the top picks in double-A. Um, it's, it's easy to say whenever they move up and, you know, when you lose te a team like Upper St. Clair and uh, – Pine Richland to Triple A this season. It's going to be interesting to uh, try to figure out who's going to be a contender this year. You got to put a West A in there, and then with the PIHL releasing there, well, let's talk about this for a second. I'm going to put West A and all the uh, the, the, the Greensburg Salem tournament on hold. We're going to discuss something else real fast, and that is the PIHL released their postseason format that, uh, for the upcoming season this past week, and. Eight teams from each conf from each classification will compete for the Penguins Cup or the local cups. I mean, or the Class B Cup this season. Here's how it works: in Triple A, the top eight teams will be competing for the number for the, the seed for I mean, for seeding for that position at the end of the regular season. Seeded as such, no division winners in first. It's just 
placed as you were. There's no division. I don't know why I would say something like that, but there are no divisions in the PIHL AAA. So we are discussing, you know, this uh, possibility of a good team in the bottom three not making it in, and it's wide open. So you don't know who it's going to be at this time. There's a possibility of not being there. You've seen a lot of parity in AAA recently. P teams have been playing better. Teams have been playing worse. And we're going to see how that looks. I mean, here, here's the other half of it. Upper St. Clair's got to prove themselves this year because Latrobe is definitely in the comparative formula. If Upper St. Clair doesn't feel like they can compete at the end of the year, Greater Latrobe's knocking on the door. And now that you finally got to 11 teams in AAA, it, it's going to be hard to keep them out. And I know that I've, I've probably mentioned it once or twice to Josh Werner, and he's agreed with me on the purpose that, yeah, they probably want to get the AAA. They've been, <laughs> they've been questioning it every year. They've been perennially with the team that's sitting on the outside of that. And I believe Upper St. Clair was 17th in the rankings that at the last comparative formula. So it was the 15th or 17th that they were ranked on the overall. So they should have stayed in AA, but they decided they wanted to go up because they can compete. So you got a bunch of teams that are sitting around that lower half, and you don't know who's going to be a possibility of moving down and coming up. I believe... There was Cannon McMillan was sitting in the, the at 10 spot at the time before uh, Latrobe because Latrobe's sitting in the 11 spot right now. So they're knocking on the door for next year, and some of these teams have to start competing, and we're going to see how this plays out. I mean, it's going to be interesting how we're uh, going to play out this season. And with that team, that Latrobe team that's been playing consistently well over the past couple years, only time can tell what's going to happen in that conference. So the top eight teams move on to the postseason in, in AAA. Uh, when it comes to AA, there are now four divisions of four teams each. Sixteen teams will play this season in AA. And the top two teams from each division will play for the Penguin Cup. You have to be one or two to play. And it will be cross. We will cross division via the East and West format, so the Northwest number one will play the Southwest number one, I'm sorry, number two, and then vice versa all the way down until we get to our East versus West tournament there. And that'll be an interesting way to go about it because you've got four teams in each division. So a team, especially the division like we're talking about in the, I believe that's in the Northwest. I want to say it's the Northwest or the Southwest that's the uh, West Allegheny, Montour, South Fayette division that we have out there. And I think we have Baldwin's in that. I believe it's in the Southwest. And that division is going to have one of those teams, two of those teams not make the postseason. And then you look at the East, and it's just, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. You're going to have some really good teams missing the postseason this year without a possibility of getting in. Possibly two or three teams missing it having better records than other teams. So a lot of controversy possible there. Uh, single A is going to follow the same suit. Of course, the Wheeling teams are not eligible for the postseason play. And the, so the 16 teams that are, are going to play cross, like the double A is, top two teams will make it. And that's also going to bring things into play because there are some divisions out there where you're not sure who's going to actually be able to make it in. You're going to have some teams being left out that aren't 100% ready to be in there. So 
That's going to be interesting in single A, too. And now you're going to look at the Class B, formerly known as Division Two. You have two divisions. I believe one has four and one has five teams, or is it? No, it's six and seven teams, and the top four in each division will make it. And they will cross one four in the opposite division, and they will play their way until they get to the championship at UPMC Lemieux Sports Complex. And I'm telling you right now, that division is going to be one to watch right now. We talked talk to uh, Rick Kalinowski a couple times during the Greensburg-Salem tournament. He's excited. He's got a lot of his players coming back. A lot of that Ringgold team from last season is coming back. The only one that they're not getting that's really not coming back, and they've got a couple injuries, of course, right now, but is uh, Evan Cook, their goaltender. So they're going to have a question mark in net this year, but I, they feel like they have the offensive ability and a defensive ability to compete at the same high level they did last year. So it'll be interesting to see how that Class B works. So back to the Greensburg-Salem tournament. I was able to watch that West A-Penn Trafford game, and... Penn Trafford, of course, they're coming back. They're bringing uh, Ryan Mickey and Jack Hughes back. Of course, it's big-time players, and uh, Tamino is is another full-time player this season. And they just have a bunch of really good players coming up. I was able to see their JV team last season. They played well in the, t in the tournament, so I'm interested to see how they play out in the regular season. West A just overpowered them. Um, you're just looking at a team that, has brought back almost everything. The only one that they really didn't bring back was Kellen Almady, who graduated. And they're bringing up a bunch of players from their JV squad that is still a strong team. And Brian Bame just really just is really lights up whenever he talks about his younger players. And I look at that roster and I'm like, they still got a bunch of players that they're going to be there next year that were difference makers last year. So West Day is going to be one you're going to be looking at at the end of the year and hoping, you know, they're hoping their entire trip to the UPMC Lemieux Sports Complex rides on, of course, now Tri-Captains, and we were joking about that a little bit later, and Nick Bandai, Shane Nolan, and I believe the last one is Giorgio. Uh, so it's going to be a fun time had by West Day in that division. Of course, we talk about that division, though, Montour. South Fayette, Daniel uh, Han Hartman, Bruce Hartman's coming back. So that, that goaltending in that division is nothing that's going to be crazy. And Baldwin's supposed to be better this season than they were last season. I thought they were really good last season. They brought it up, and they were really, oh, they looked really strong during the St. Margaret tournament. So two of those teams are not going to make the postseason. And you got to start thinking about the possibilities here and how it's going to play out. And we haven't even started the regular season, and questions still abound. So we're going to have a good time with it. Uh, let's see. All right. Well, this time we're going to bring in our Coach's Corner segment with, of course, Brian Bame, head coach of the Pittsburgh Vengeance. I'm oh, sorry, the associate head coach of the Pittsburgh Vengeance, the head coach of the West uh, Allegheny Indians. And here is Coach's Corner. All right. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back. It, we are at Kirk Nevin Arena it is the another day of the Greensburg-Salem tournament. I'm here with our Coach's Corner segment of the week. I'm with Brian Bame, West Allegheny, Pittsburgh Vengeance. What else do you coach, Coach? <laughs> um, that's it, thankfully. Um, that takes up most of my time, if I have any free time at all, which I very rarely do. But I got to get away this week, earlier this week, to uh, it was the first vacation, relaxing vacation I've taken in years. So 
uh, my wife and I got to get away for a few days, so that was fun. Yeah, I think we, we actually spoke a little bit at the uh, the Vengeance game last week. We were talking mm-hmm. about breaks and everything. You're like, I'm like, I had a summer off. You're like, what's a break? You're like, it, it's <laughs> a summer break there. You know, summer league hockey was going on, and uh, how do you just juggle that, the two teams, and not being you, able to have that type of a You have break? to love doing it, number one. Um, you know, uh, it is a full-time job no matter if you want to do it right. Um, it is a full-time job, no matter what anybody tells you. Uh, most of the programs that do struggle, you'll see the coaches don't put that full-time in. Um, I have learned as I've gotten older to take the time when I can um, and not feel like I have to be sitting at the rink every day. Um, you'll see my, my coaching staffs have expanded a little bit over the years, so um, make sure we have uh, – conditioning coordinators um, years ago as at Sarah Catholic I, I did all of that myself um, you know I would I was in a much better shape back then so <laughs> I would we'd do three days a week I'd get at the uh, up to the school at 5 30 a.m. and the first day I'd run a mile mm-hmm. by the time they'd get in I'd tell them they had to beat that time on a mile Wednesday we would I'd be three miles they had to beat my time on three miles. Then I'd run five miles on Friday. They had to beat that time. So um, that's just not realistic anymore. You know, <laughs> you just uh, you get old. Uh, time catches up to you. You can't do that. So you pass those duties on to younger guys and uh, take on different roles. So, um, but I love the role I've had here at West Allegheny. Um, you know this. Uh, group of kids really has made me love it again. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a period of time I was down at uh, WVU. Um, it started to get a little uh, little stressful. Um, you know, the, it, was, it seemed like you're working for nothing a lot of times. Uh, uh, but, and, and I kind of burn out a little bit. But um, I meant, you know, I, I had every intention once I was done there to um, take a break and then folks at West Allegheny gave me a call and asked if I might be available. I said, Let me, let's talk about it. Here I am four <laughs> years later, and, and I'm into it deeper than I ever have been. Um, and then I, the, the Pittsburgh Vengeance, um, uh, it's actually the renamed uh, club that I used to coach, the Pittsburgh Junior Penguins. Mm-hmm. Um, Dave Dorsey, who's the general manager of the Vengeance, is a good friend of mine. We coached with the Junior Pens together. Um, we got together in the off season two years ago, and he said, you know, would I be interested in coming in and changing some things that they mm-hmm. were uh, look, you know, helping them change their culture and thing. That's just become a thing of mine, changing cultures and and rebuilds. And, and I, you know, let's give it a shot. And I've fallen in love with coaching junior hockey again. So. I guess I'll just take it back to where we all, where it all started. Like your first coaching gig, where did you? How did you get your start in this? At this point, I mean, it still it seemed you know I happened to be at uh, for the PIHL operations meeting. It was at Ross Straver, and it was the first time I'd been in Ross Straver in probably five or six years, which was odd for me because that's where I lived for probably five or six years. Um, my youngest brother's 14 years younger than me, was playing for, he was a squirt at the um, Mon Valley Youth Hockey Organization. Okay. And 
couple of the dads were coaching, asked me, hey, you know, would you be interested? I had just moved back into the area, so would you be interested in coming out and helping us? And see, I might know a few drills. And, and coming out and running a few drills turned into an extra full-time job for me for the next <laughs> 20-some years. So um, from there, uh, the former owner of the Junior Penguins was a uh, George Kelly, who's still involved with the USPHL. He's he asked me if I'd consider coming over there to coach. Uh, moved over there, and then at the same time, Sarah Catholic had a big uh, turnover, and I applied for that job, got hired, and that was the first time I took on two teams, and really been juggling two teams ever since. And I love doing it. I, I get nervous when I don't have two teams to juggle. Oh, I can tell it. We were, we were discussing, <laughs> we were joking around. We're like, who, what time? What time off is, you know, what are you, what are you referring to time <laughs> off here? And we're looking at it like, well, I, I, in the summertime, I mean, in the wintertime, I'm like, there ain't, uh, yeah. I, I don't have time for anything. Somebody's like, you want to go do something? Um, right. What are you talking about? I, I've got six games this week over right. four days, and I'm kind of like trying to juggle that with my other jobs. And I, I could see where it's coming from being, um, so you look at that, you're looking at that, re, you know, the renaming, the vengeance. Now you take on West Allegheny a couple, mm -hmm. of, four, four seasons ago. You're in your fourth season now this year, or this is season five, uh, if I'm guessing four, correctly. Is that One, two, three, yeah, this would be four. Okay, so this would be the fourth season. So you've, been, you've seen the roller coaster, the season to drop them down, the single mm -hmm. A, and now you're back up immediately. Um, we discussed it several times. You always, the whole goal is to get the triple A, you know, mm -hmm. build the program and create it. I mean, now that you've had the class come through and you have younger players, you've seen the younger players come through the system, how do you feel about where West Allegheny was at that whenever you first came to where you are now? I, mean, um, I, I couldn't be happier. Mm -hmm. um, now it gets easier as you get older. You kind of anticipate these things, you know. Um, it, I, know I know it works. Mm -hmm. It's a matter of getting everyone else to kind of get on board with it. Um, but the one thing I knew when I came in was that I had – a good group of young talent mm -hmm. available that I could develop. And if, if you're not willing to take that first year and take your lumps and teach the players how to compete, which is almost becoming a dirty word anymore, mm -hmm. um, competition is something we're trying to eradicate from the younger generations. And uh, I'm not... <laughs> I'm not there yet. It's just not something I'm ever going to, because I think it's such a critical life skill for them. Mm -hmm. And a lot of folks just don't realize that what you're teaching them here goes so far beyond uh, four checks and back checks, mm -hmm. man. It's uh, um, the one thing I did have with this young group was a desire to compete. Um, you look at uh, kids like Nick Bandai, Shane Nolan, Jake Irigo. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, those are names I've been seeing the last three years in this tournament. Right. I mean, you're talking, you know, you have a lot of younger players that play varsity early. And what, it's, yeah. what I love about taking players like that is nobody knew who they were a couple of years ago. Now everybody looks at me and says, oh, well, it's easy for you. You have these guys. And it's, you know, <laughs> you have Bandai, you have Girga, you have Nol Well, mm -hmm. yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah and, and Ferry, yeah, it's great to have a good mm -hmm. goalie like Ferry. But you didn't know who they were a couple of years ago. How did that happen? You know, yeah. and that's kind of, that's, I think the hallmark of a of a uh, of a successful coach is how you can develop the players. It's never your wins and losses. It's how those players develop and how you can instill that responsibility, self discipline, and um, 
uh, that competitiveness in those players. And, and you see it trickling down now to the younger ages. Um, you know, you, you had Clay Bovelin as a player who's, you know, he's been in the middle of it. You know, he's so, we forget how he's such a big boy. We forget how young mm -hmm. he is. Um, I was looking at your roster you sent me. You're, lineup, you're one of the only ones to send me a full lineup mm -hmm. during my preseason thing. I'm like, okay, now at least I have everything that I need for West Allegheny. And uh, I was noticing, like, the, the classes for each of your players. And, mm -hmm. like, there's a lot of players I've seen. I'm like, wow, they're actually still <laughs> – we're still they're, talking sophomore and junior year. There's no here. reason yeah. sophomores like Clay, Ryan Beck, or Jake Schultz, or, or – uh, Kellen Rupnick can't come in and and do damage. They you know these these they train all off season. Mm -hmm. um, they put the work in. And um, you know guys like uh, Alex Morton, he doesn't play on a, a travel team. You know a lot of people think, oh well, you have to, as long as you have a lot of travel team players in your high school, then you can mm -hmm. be nah. You can do it right. You just have to be willing to put the work in yourself, which is again you know why I'm at the rink and mm -hmm. at, the, at the school and at the gym with these guys so much is. You know, I want them to be that good of players, and I want, you know, I have to show that commitment to them, and I always tell them, if you know, if you give even half the effort I do, you're going to be just fine. All right, and I'm looking on the ice tonight, and I see one thing that's a little bit, you know, try captains this year, Nolan Bandai yeah. and Gergo. <laughs> it's, it's funny. I'm, I'm so glad you picked that out. Yeah, oh, no, um, I, immediately, I tweeted out immediately. <laughs> I was like, well, it was a tough decision. Actually, we were joking, the guy from the Colonials uh, – one of their SID tweeted out. He's also like, "Well, that sounds familiar." I'm like, "Well, they're both going to be playing in the same rink, so there's another common right. knock this year." But it's yeah. not something that's um, it, it's something that is it's not common in hockey, mm -hmm. but um, it, it's something that has happened over the years. It's not something I've ever really been in a position to to do. Really, there's always been one consistent leader that stood out and and took control of the group. But as I was looking at the leadership group in the uh, in the preseason and I'm looking at these three guys and what they've done and what they've meant to a rebuild that I did here mm -hmm. I, I couldn't find a reason why any of them should not be mm -hmm. but I had dozens of reasons why they should be so I thought you know this might be the year I do go to the tri-captains and and it was funny, you know, people, you can't do that. You can't do that. I just do whatever I you want. You can Nobody do that. Can. It's not against the rules, you know. <laughs> I mean, if there were, you know, as long as you're, you know, you name them, you're <laughs> right. what you allow them to be. You can Absolutely. say, hey, I want you to be one cap everybody captain one day a week, one right. game a year if you really wanted to be. But, right. I mean, that that's just, just shows what, you know, you, you grow in a system. Mm -hmm. You learn the system. You're able to train the younger players on a system and, I mean, like I said, I've been watching Shane Nolan here since his sophomore season. Mm -hmm. When I was here, I was at that time a little undersized, but you know, right. maybe a little bit of a hothead. But now I'm mm -hmm. like looking at you know a, a matured player, mm -hmm. you know, gained a little bit of that size back, not a lot more, but <laughs> enough of that size if. back. And he's, he uses that to his advantage, though, and he's learned how to do that, and he's able to translate that to other players. I always see him the first person in to explain something. You know, if, that's what you look for. If players all over would work half as hard as Shane Nolan does on mm -hmm. and off the ice in the classroom that, you know, a lot of guys that are bigger would probably have long careers. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, Shane hasn't, you know, he's, he's amazed me year in and year out mm -hmm. what he hasn't found his level yet. Uh, you know, he hasn't hit his peak yet. Mm -hmm. And um, just really, yeah, I, I'm. I'm just. I'm proud of them. I'm, I'm very excited at seeing what they're going to be. You know, do throughout the season. Mm -hmm. um, they make my job 
a lot easier. They define coachable. So. All right. Well, thank you for coming on with us, Brian. Thanks so much. Congratulations on the win there Thanks, tonight. Man. And I hope good luck on this season. I'll see you out there. Um, I don't know when I'll be out to the island, but we'll definitely be seeing you at some point. All Absolutely. Right. Thanks, All man. Right. Take care, sir. Bye. Of course, that was Brian Baim. Thank him for coming on this week on the Coach's Corner segment. And uh, next week, we're hoping to get Paul Colantino, the head coach of the Robert Morris Colonials, out in action there for that. Uh, of course, they open their weekend against Union on Friday and Saturday, and I will be there for both of those games. Let's see what we've got here. We had our PhD podcast poll from last week, and 107 votes were in. I asked you, of these four teams, which of the PIHL hockey teams would finish with the highest in this AAA standings in 2019-20? The options were Pine Richland, Seneca Valley, Cannon McMillan, and Bethel Park. With 34% of the vote, Bethel Park was the number one vote-getter. Uh, Pine Richland finished second with 29%, Seneca Valley 21%, Cannon McMillan had 16% of the vote. And, of course, uh, we had a write-in vote by Michael Sawicki, and he said Central Catholic. And he got two likes on that, so I'm going to put him in there as a fifth possibility. So, Michael Sawicki, you got one in there for your team. You got your one in there for your team. So, we're going to move to the next part of the poll. Poll number three this week is going to make its way to, of course, settle the division race that I'm referring to. And it's going to be a it's going to go back down to single A for this uh, poll. And, of course, that is going to be which division in single A will produce the Penguins Cup champion? Will it be the Northwest, the Southwest, the Northeast, or the Southeast? Of course, in the Northwest, we have Beaver, Blackhawk, North Catholic, the newcomer, and Swickley Academy. In the Southwest, it's Shar Valley, North Hills, South Park, and Thomas Jefferson. In the Northeast, it's Fox Chapel, Freeport, Indiana, and Kiske. Kiske's looking a lot better. Of course, that was I saw them on last night and last Tuesday on last Monday, so they're looking a lot better this season. And Bishop McCourt, Greensburg, Salem, Norwin, and Westmont Hilltop are in your Southeast division. You get to pick from those divisions to tell me where you think it's going to come. That champion's going to come from, and if you can put it in the comments and let me know who do you think is going to be the champion coming out of that division. That would be awesome. I would appreciate it. Uh, we're going to put the poll results up next week on the podcast here. Um, next week, we're going to have an interview from, of course, Jeff Morrow. He is working with the PAHL and a lot of the tournaments at Christmas, the Scholastic Tournament around Christmas, and a lot of ACHA action and everything. And, yeah, we're going to have a good time with this when this podcast. So I thank everybody for listening uh, once again. This is the PhD Podcast. I am Brian Mitchell. This is episode number two. I hope you enjoyed it. Enjoy the remainder of your night, guys. Take care.